The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend Editions here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Damon Barr, driving the bus today. Welcome to join us and dial us up 466-3776-4673776-800-825-5865. Find us and follow us on Twitter at Hale Varsity at ESPN Lincoln and can find Mark Cranach at Mark Scourge, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio at Damon Barr. That's two R's. A lot to get into. It is Championship Saturday, the first of two in March, Girls State 2021. What a injection of energy it's been around Lincoln this week with state tournament action. Uh, a little bit more normalcy with uh, people milling around the rail yard and butts in seats at PBA. It's been just a joy. Uh, we'll hit some Husker baseball. Tough one yesterday against Purdue. Husker basketball uh, going to finish things out and head off to uh, the Big Ten tournament and some football thoughts on the recruiting front. We'll rewind with our friend Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Mitch coming up uh, in about uh, 20 minutes. Our conversation with him earlier this week right after his sit-down with Bill the Moose uh, on uh, crowds and uh, spring football and beyond. Brandon Vogel. Uh, from Hale Varsity coming up. And then Gary Sharp will join us, the Iron Horse. You got your numbers, can jump in. I have. It's felt like years, Cranach. Good to be with you, partner. I hope you're doing all right. Thanks for holding it down last week with uh, Elijah and Damon, brother. What do you know? Well, this might be a surprise to you, Chris. We wanted to let you have a vacation. I, I mailed it in last week as well. Oh. I uh yeah. So okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so it was a, Elijah and Damon, kick-ass job. Thank you. <laughs> but I'll take full credit. Uh, I'm happy you, to take you full directed for, traffic <laughs> for holding down the fort. I was doing it spiritually. No, I, I'm I mean, sure you were. Else. I'm sure you were. Now, now listen. You are one things of the you few know. You, things you know at I, seven ten in the morning. All right. Like I, I know. Sorry about that. I should have let you know. Uh, a few. <laughs> I know a few people that have actually, I don't know, gotten on a plane yes. recently and just like left the the local environment for the first time in a long time. How was that? Like just just the act of not being in Lincoln slash Omaha slash like the 50 mile radius. How was that just like completely changing topography, time zones? planes during the pandemic what was that all about it was easy right it was flat out easy i went with my brother uncle mark 
And, you know, uh, I was kind of a guy who rolled his eyes at the whole mask thing uh, a year ago. Now, I didn't like shame nor protest it. Uh, I'm not that dude. But I went I went 180 real quick once my wife sat me down and threatened me. She's a health a health expert. So long and short, I I, I masked up. Uh, I've got a uh, I had a medical mask and then I have this vintage beautiful peach crown royal mask. So I doubled up right. and and then yeah the the flight down was direct. It was packed and uh, we land in in uh, Phoenix uh, Airport. And it was wonderful. And then we just kind of stayed on Joe Mama's uh, compound, so to speak, where it's kind of got everything I need. It's got a pool. It's got a golf course. It's got a grill. But most importantly, it has her and grandma down there. Yeah. And we just we just golfed and, and enjoyed. And uh, there's a kind of a butcher shop not far from where they're at that has some Nebraska ties. And oh, uh, nice. yeah, so we did a little <laughs> a little boat in pork chop and, and some fillet and it was magical. And to be able to be in the sun and be in the 70 degrees and most importantly, be with uh, her and grandma. And, and then we were able to watch BTN and, and you know, MF the. The, the the ball you know <laughs> Nebraska gonna hang on you know you know how Nebraska basketball goes right where yeah hey they don't look too bad and then oh no they're they're throwing the ball away but uh, this was um, this was uh, it was it was a much needed breather it was great but uh, you get back into it and uh, it's been a busy week with hoops and not a super busy news cycle but more of the tie-in with with weather and, and fe- people feeling really good about kind of getting back to normal or trying to get back to normal. You couple that with weather and the time of year with spring football around the corner, with baseball starting out, with basketball and March Madness getting kicked into gear. I mean, it's it's really been pretty awesome. So the the trip back was also packed. What I don't like is the old let's fly to Phoenix to Denver and Denver to Omaha, and you waste thirty hours of your life. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that, never the best. But no, that, you got that the itch sucked. again, huh? Yeah, and, again. and and I will be uh, I will be departing uh, on on St. Patty's Day again to go lose golf balls. So there you uh, go. But no, thanks for asking. It was it was awesome. And there's just what, what's really cool about the community my mother's in is a all of the love and support down there for for her and, and my and my grandmother, but b uh, just the the fan bases that all live within. So everyone down there rolls in a G'd up golf cart, right? Okay. That's it's 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 kind of like the scene, and I hate to go this route, but it's kind of like the the uh, the Seinfeld scene where where George is on his rascal, right? And uh, and and there's a group of of other uh, folks in the neighborhood that are that are driving the scooters around, and it's like they're a biker gang. Well, uh, you have Wisconsin flags, you've got Oregon flags, you've got a lot of Pac-12 representation. Uh, played golf with a guy named Gary who actually uh, started two years for Oregon State basketball and played against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which was cool to kind of sit and, and hear those stories. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there, there there's conference representation everywhere. And kind of around my mom's street, there's a lot of Nebraska flags that are always out. But ah, there, there's, there's a high level of Canadian slash Wisconsin representation 
and there's all there's so much Nebraska Wisconsin back and forth that goes on. And most of it is is the upper hand right now of Wisconsin fan, as you well, probably it, imagine. Well, well, it, it would help though if Wisconsin decided to actually play Nebraska in any sport no, I, instead of just walking away. And, we and, we brought that up when volleyball yeah. was uh, put on the shelf. Yes, I'm seeing a trend here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm seeing a trend, and it blows me away. About you know, and thank God Wisconsin basketball hasn't really had to shut down because I mean I think they're a, they're a really quality squad, but. Between the shutdowns in football, right, or 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 the or the missed games in football, and and then volleyball having to pause, and I know it's like nobody's fault, but I'm just like, okay, um, th- there's a lot of programs that that were unscathed, and I think in Nebraska football because of how locked in they were, and and they didn't have anything pop up or go awry. Uh, well, things went nuts for Nebraska basketball, but you see their effort. After not being able to touch a ball, as Coach Hoyberg's, t- you know, hit on a couple of times, and in, in pre- for Nebraska's effort to be this this juiced up, and I know it's not always perfect, but but the effort there, uh, you know, they didn't play great defense against Iowa, but no, they uh, overall, I mean, they're they're trying to finish this thing the right way, despite you want to talk about a horrible handed blackjack where you just handed money over. It's kind of how uh, how how the basketball seasons felt, so. It's interesting, you know. I'm I'm really just fascinated with where things can go for football because that's kind of on the doorstep. You want it to be a quiet off season of or or kind of training session of of grinding and development, and you know what can you and do you find out about your quarterback situation, where you at with your skill guys, and uh, it was pretty cool. You know, we're having Mitch Sherman, uh, or rewind with him, his buddy uh, Max Olson uh, did a, a, a stop rate article earlier this week. And, you know, Iowa and Wisconsin were the top two teams in the country. When now, stop rate. Talk yeah, to me here. Stop rate is the, the percentage of drives that a defense faces and how many of those drives lead to a punt or a punt turnover turnover on downs downs, right the the three good things that happen for a defense where does it count field goals no you hold them no 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 field just just you just get off the field turnover turnover on downs punt right and and nebraska was 92nd in the country and their stop rate was at at 57 percent that's not great that's nothing to write home about but I looked at Nebraska's defense, and I didn't do the specific math. But I'm like, you know, how many of Nebraska's defensive drives started in in plus territory off of a right. turnover? How many of Nebraska's drives, uh, yeah. about, about two and a half points per drive is what drives yielded against Nebraska football? And I'm like, you know, when it comes to special teams and, and turnovers – I, I bet you there's some hidden beauty in that number 92 ranking. I look at Iowa. They, they were number one. 81% of drives against Iowa's defense resulted. Just stop. Just stop. Yeah. Wisconsin was number two. Uh, you have Northwestern that was 12, right? Indiana was top 10. And, and I look at Indiana's defense. They won a lot of high-scoring games. Is more of a bend-but-don't-break type deal. I mean, Clemson didn't. They came in around 10, right? And Clemson's kind of the cream of the cream. And, and Bama was in there as well. So, And I, then I kind of just flipped it over to as frustrating as Nebraska's offense was from a consistency standpoint. 
Nebraska's offense put up a hell of a lot of yards and was in position to go beat Iowa. Nebraska's offense was in position Mm -hmm. to go beat Northwestern. So I kind of threw all of that into a bowl and said, okay, defense didn't get helped out. Defense was better. Defense was physical. Defense had three or four guys around the football every game not named the Illinois game. Then I flip it around to the offense. They're going 450 on Iowa. They're going 450 on Northwestern. And you probably have a combined three or four red zone turnovers in those two games, right? In yeah. in one score games. So I left feeling like my my beer is a little bit half full for Nebraska. It's funny you say that because as luck would have it, it wasn't intentional. My son just pulled it up and watched it. The the Ohio State game. Um, you know, it's on DVR. And so he just pulls it up and but I hadn't really watched it in a while. Right. And you get further away from it and you sort of misremember things and now, I remember at the time, after that game ended, there was a general sense of... Wasn't that hey, bad. Yeah, wasn't that bad. Like, showed some progress. Like, the score got away, but that wasn't a horrible performance. And then, as the year goes on, Nebraska loses, Ohio State keeps winning. You start to convince yourself, and you start to say, well, what, you know, the, the gap between Ohio State and Nebraska is so massive. There's no chance... Wow, Nebraska just needs to learn how to compete with Purdue and blah, blah, blah. But then you watch the game again. And our initial reaction back then in the in the immediate aftermath was pretty damn correct. And I would just encourage anyone if well, I know everybody's going to be going outside now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Throw it on, on know, the supposed patio. To, it's supposed to rain next week. Um, but pull that up and watch it again. Because our our immediate response in the aftermath was was pretty damn correct. Like things got away from Nebraska, but they didn't get away because Nebraska got bludgeoned. No, they got away because Nebraska around. puked on themselves. Yeah, and it was actually pretty incredible how much Nebraska did move the ball. You know, things got away from them late in the second quarter. You, you got to give Ohio State some props for their you know, their big strike ability like that got Nebraska a couple times, obviously mm-hmm. with fields throwing a 60 yard dart just a to somebody throw, who right, was, yeah. yeah, to, and, and boodles within a half a yard of his receipt. He's not getting toasted. He's, no, he's right there, perfect throw. but it's a perfectly thrown ball. It's a perfect catch. That catch of the year happens in the back of the end zone, right? Like there, it, I came away actually encouraged again, where I'm just like, Nebraska can hang like absolutely now Adrian Martinez can't you know fake left go right and then literally like throw the ball as a fumble into their arms and have them return it back for six like that can't happen but that was a freak play right that wasn't a structural oh my god re-examine the entire system re-examine what you're doing in the weight room burn down the program start over it wasn't that <laughs> at all which you did see towards the tail end of like the Riley era where you're just like burn it down like it's just this this team can't even come close to competing right now um it, yeah so I came away a little encouraged too but then again we got to temper all this by saying don't you kind of think like that going into almost every year like isn't I'm trying to think of the year where I've gone and be like this year is gonna suck Nebraska's got no chance but I go into this year after watching that game and seeing how close Nebraska has been, Nebraska was a lot closer to Ohio State than the score would indicate. 
Just go watch it if you don't believe me. I totally, totally agree. Well, and think yeah. about that that four minute window, right? Where it's oh, it's seventeen it, fourteen, and then it's yeah, towards the end of the second quarter. It was 24, like, 10, 24 14 at half, right? They go up ten versus Nebraska's got a chance. There's a holding penalty or some sort of self inflicted voodoo, and and you got to kick it away, and then they they get a field goal, they go get a touchdown. And then in the se- in the third quarter, yeah, your scoop and score makes it a seventeen point bulge, and then you're driving at Ohio State's forty and Luke fumbles right. So yeah, yeah. there's, there's right. it's, fourteen it's, point and bang. This thing's a seventeen point, uh, you know, pinata session, and then it, then it goes from bad to worse because Ohio State hits some big plays. But no, I mean our initial reaction on the lines of scrimmage and the run game and the play calling. Uh, yeah. It's just kind of taking care of yourself, which has been a theme for four years. Well, you couple that with Nebraska's performances against Iowa, right? And it's the same deal. Look, those are one-score games. They're coin flips. They're coin flips. Iowa's program is better right now. Obviously, they're good their at mentality. coin flipping. Yeah, their mentality, their leadership, their sort of like ability to battle through adversity. Some of these like intangible things. They are just better at right now because they're more stable and they have been for a long time. But they're not—they're not running Nebraska off the field. They're not embarrassing Nebraska. They're not pushing them around. It's not—it's not happening. It's a—it's—it's it's essentially a stalemate game, and whoever's kind of smarter, who whoever's you know better coached has better leadership, is going to win it. But it's a stalemate physically. It's, there's no question about that. And so, like, yeah, you you go into this year and Northwestern. I mean, that that was Nebraska's inability to do anything in the red zone, and all of this stuff, of course, does point towards coaching. It does point towards playing good football. It, it, those are all factors, but those are all factors that seem very, very fixable. Versus, holy crap, we're outweighed by. 30 pounds on the line of scrimmage and oh holy crap our linebackers all run four nines and they're there's run four fives like that's not immediately fixable right right but that's those aren't the problems that nebraska's facing nebraska's facing self-inflicted problems they're self-inflicted problems putting the ball on the turf committing penalties on the offensive line throwing interceptions right uh, uh not dialing up the right suite of plays in the red zone that those are, you can fix those. Will they, <laughs> do you have faith that it will happen? Look, eventually you're going right? to, you're going to have a combination of a, a kid that, that will not screw up either through training or comfort. And you're going to have a, a mesh of trust where this is what you can run, this is your your bread and butter, and this is what our kids know they can do and, and will go do, and then it's going to pop for you. Now, is that six and six? Is that seven and five? Yeah. Is it better? I, I don't know. I just know that you've had about every instance of Murphy's Law happen some of that you've made on yourself. Some of that you've just been handed. So, no, I mean, it, it's it's can't keep going this route and this road forever with it being a you problem. 
yeah. if that's the instance, then that's and that's big, coaching. That's that's ultimately. that's tip of iceberg, big time problem. So yeah, yeah. Well, and look, here's the other thing too. Nebraska's roster is obviously transformed, and mm-hmm. it has pretty significantly every year. But I think this is probably the biggest departure, uh, the biggest roster change that Nebraska will have experienced since Scott Frost has been here. J- just in terms of especially the skill positions on on offense, because for a while there, the way Nebraska was recruiting and the guys they brought in, you remember us having these conversations where it's like, actually, Nebraska's at the point now where it has no choice but to play speed. Mm-hmm. Like they have acquired speed. You're going to see a lot of speed on the field. Thinking about Miles Jones, thinking about Katarian Legrone and Andre Hunt and Maurice Washington and Wandale and Luke, right? Like they were getting they got fast all these dudes. speed guys. Yeah. Guess what? No all those here. speed guys sped the hell out of Lincoln. <laughs> They're gone. They're not here. But in the meantime, Nebraska, and th- there's a few left, right? You got Will Nixon, who, who was dinged up last year. Didn't get to see him. Um, Demarion Houston is, is a speed guy. Alante Brown. You still have some of that. But, but what's really changed is now size. You have, I think of if, if it all comes together, if, if Omar Manning has his stuff together and he's ready to go, if uh, Samori Toure, Toure, Samori Toure is ready to go, the transfer out of um, transfer out of Montana, Xavier Betts, you you're starting, and then Austin Allen is back, and Travis Vokalek is back, and you got Chris Hickman. You have a monstrously big receiving core. I it is, it's it's. And it, it kind of reminds me of like Missouri Chase Daniel days. Sure. Remember when those dudes would roll out and it's six three to six five five wide? Yeah, they they, they, like, they were Lord. they were well put together. And the beauty about this is six one, six two, six three, and then you get your Brown and Nixon in the slot, right? Mm-hmm. And and you're back to, to twenty eighteen where you got a Stanley and J D option in this passing game. So Nebraska's rolling up this year. You know, again, assuming those guys could, you would assume Xavier Betts can play, right? He he mm-hmm. just came on, so he seemingly just got better each time. Manning takes care of his stuff. He's out there. Toure, you know, he's been doing it at a high level at Division One AA for a while. You would think that he could sniff the field. Now you're looking at 6'3", 6'4", 6'2", throwing in Delonte Brown for some for speed. You, you know, you're looking at a big receiving core, big tight end core. Four-year starting quarterback. The bulk of your offensive line bat. You do, you lost. You know you lost a tackle and a guard that were both pretty good. One of them got invited to the combine. The other did not. But but you, you're bringing back returning starters there. Like I just think that the offense will. You're in year two of Lubick. It's post uh, COVID, which obviously interrupted and changed things for everybody. But that does not help offensive continuity. But so now you got this full year. Huge receiving core, huge experienced tight ends, four experienced starters back on the offensive line, four years starting quarterback. What the hell else do you want? Right? If you're if you're drawing up what you want for your offense, you know, returning, that that's pretty damn good, right? Like you would take that, right? If you were take starting it. from G- scratch. Get me a back. Get me get Wait. me get me a ziggy. And you got like six on campus. You got to figure one of those dudes can 
can handle it. You're, I mean, you're, you got like six. I know. Like six to choose from. You got to figure at least one or two of those guys can handle it. Sevion Morrison, is it him? Excited to see him. You got Scott that saw some time. Uh, Step. I mean, can, it's just can like he stay if you're healthy? to draw yeah. it up, though. If you're to draw it up, like, think about this. If you're just saying, okay, at receiver, yeah, I'll take the number one Juco wide receiver in America. Okay, Nebraska has that guy. Yeah, I'll take the number one Division One AA transfer at receiver. Nebraska got that guy. Okay, yeah, I'll take um, one of Nebraska's highest-rated in-state recruits who was a four-star and coveted by everybody in Xavier Betts. You got that guy, too. Right? I mean, it's just... <laughs> Look, they've, they've acquired some guys, and it's a very different physical profile than Nebraska has had in a long time. Maybe ever, actually. I, I can't think of a time when they had just that sheer size on the outside. And what will that do? How will that change things? Think if Nebraska had that in the red zone, for instance, against Northwestern last year. Do they come up over at, with those guys on the outside? Do they? You, you hope not, but you had right? you had Allen, you had Vokalek, uh, you, you had Betts. I mean, you you had those bodies, but you didn't know maybe what you had at that point. I, mean, I think you did with Allen, obviously, but but it was week two. Betts didn't know what he was doing yet, right? Sure, but like, but it, it still came down to throwing the football inside the ten. No, that's <laughs> that's a factor. <laughs> I mean, that's a factor, and then. <clears throat> We're finally going to be able to see Logan Smothers. Right. I mean, you talk about a guy that has been under wraps. When you combine n- not being able to see practice, media can't can't watch pr- practice generally under frost. And then on COVID, it's like times three. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like nobody has seen that outside of the program. Nobody's seen that guy throw. Well, we're all going to see him in May. And if you're listening to Bill Moose, could even be like 90 some thousand of us. That are able to watch it in person. We'll uh, tackle that with Mitch Sherman next. What's the what's the number going to be? And it'll be something, which will be great. But it's going to be kind of your your appetizer, Cranek, ahead of hopefully local control doing their thing to get as many butts in the seats for fall. That's 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 the goal line. Is is get things taken care of so you can have capacity here this fall. And if if you're Nebraska or a Nebraska fan, and say you are limited to, to say fifty thousand or thirty thousand for May first, uh, if you're Nebraska, let's make sure about a hundred of those seats are uh, going to find their way into your your Nebraska five that are up in the metro and in Columbus with your 2022 recruiting class. So say typically you, you can't have uh, official visits because of this end of May dead period thing that keeps getting extended, right? Like your bookie's credit line. Well, uh, you can still come watch the game as a fan, son. <laughs> we, we would encourage you to do that. It's only eight bucks to come see or whatever the number is going to be. There may be a way to, to, to skirt around safely, of course, uh, some, some on-site viewing. Versus the virtual, because recruiting's been on uh, on our mind too. Topic of conversation, Mark. The last week and a half or so, just with what's uh, come down with uh, some really high level talent, in state talent that is still uh, eyeing elsewhere. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's a whole other segment, isn't it? Chris? It is. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get into that with uh, with Brandon yeah. Vogel coming up, but we'll step away. Rewind coming up. Great to be back. Weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio, Mark Cranach, Damon Barr, Chris Schmidt. A rewind uh, from Thursday. Mitch Sherman, his talk with Bill Moose. It's Hale Varsity Radio Weekend. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Welcome to an hour two of Tail Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We are down here in the rail yard at Longwell's. Man, it feels like, well, it feels kind of like normal here with state basketball going on. Fun uh, crowd, amazing weather, and uh, we are getting ready for uh, some Big Ten basketball tonight as well with Nebraska and Iowa. You can join us down here at Longwell's. The garage doors are open. I love these. It's almost like a convertible where you can be inside but it feels like you're outside there's still a a wicked game of 21 going on in front of the cube somebody just caught an elbow but there wasn't that much blood so you you can't really whistle a foul uh numbers to get in 466-377-6800-825-5865 find us on twitter at hail varsity at schmidt underscore radio at damon bar that's two r's Let's welcome in with the athletic Mitch Sherman. And I think I heard a, uh, a, a joyous cheer from Mitch Sherman once the, the Royals news came out earlier today about fan capacity. Mitch, how are we doing? Thanks for the time. I'm doing well, Chris. A uh, little envious of you sitting there outside of the state basketball tournament. It's been a while since I've been in the rail yard with people around, but... Hopefully the day that I can return is uh, You are uh, always welcome to uh, to return with us, my friend. And it's really cool. I mean, it, it's not elbow to elbow like we're used to. But you know what? This is a, a more normal feeling, Mitch. And, uh, you know, the, the Royals are going to have uh, fans. You're going to have 8,000 fans for basketball for the Big Ten tournament. We're still waiting on baseball. Uh, I know you sat down with uh, Bill Moose, and let's start there. Uh, Mitch, what, what's your, your takeaway with uh, your, your chat with, with Bill Moose? Uh, really nice story, and thanks for, for uh, putting that out there with kind of where, where Bill's at. But he seems pretty optimistic. He seems pretty, pretty positive right now as things move forward. Yeah, I mean, any opportunity you get to talk to Bill Moose, one of the things that he'll tell you is that he's an optimistic person. So that's to be expected, and right now there's more reason for optimism, I would say, than there has been at just about any point in the past year, maybe any point in the past year. Um, you know, clearly there are hurdles yet to clear, and I had a story the previous day, yesterday, out on The Athletic, an interview with James Lawler, um, one of the top doctors at the University of Nebraska Medical Center about when it's appropriate for fans to come back completely to our sports stadiums and, and arenas. And, you know, he took a bit of a different approach than what you've heard and what you've seen around the country. Um, for sure, wants to be cautious and wants people to be aware that this thing is not over. But, um, 
Bill Moose is looking forward to the day, absolutely, when Nebraska fans are back at NU's in Lincoln. And I talked to Bill before the news came out about the Big Ten tournament next week, but I'm sure and I know, and we chatted a bit about this topic when Bill and I talked on Tuesday, that he's pleased that tickets are going to be available for 8,000 fans at the games this week, next week in Indy um, and in Rosemont for the women's tournament. And he's hopeful that this is then a sign or some way to allow for fans to show up in Lincoln, whether it's for baseball and softball this spring or indoors at the Devaney Center with what's left on the schedule with volleyball, even at the NCAA volleyball tournament in Omaha, um, it will be nice for Nebraska to have the backing that I'm sure the Huskers and John Cook will. And that's already been determined that fans will be a bad event. Nothing, of course, yet is set in Lincoln. You would certainly hope um, with the numbers that are allowed inside in Indy next week that it can be done safely and responsible, responsibly at Haymarket Park in the very near future. Mitch Sherman's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch with The Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, what, what's your feel and, and gut say about spring football? And, and me and Brandon Vogel were talking last hour where you don't want to jeopardize or risk anything for, for spring and, and ruin or have a, some sort of catastrophe for, for fall numbers here. But what's... What's a feel you have here? What's what's a number you could think about with Memorial Stadium for May? I know that's mm-hmm. a whole mm-hmm. month ahead of yeah. the projected uh, ability to get everybody vaccinated uh, by the end of May per the president. But but overall, what what's what's a what's a fair estimate for for what Nebraska could see for for spring football? What's what's responsible, but what's also a trend toward normalcy? Well, it's going to depend what kind of a condition we're in, both as a community and as a state and as a country. And if there's a surge of cases in March and into April, then I'm sure that's going to affect the decisions that are made about spring practice. You know, there's a couple of hurdles, and one is that this thing officially has to be in the hands of the local government. I mean, I suppose the Big Ten could rule that, um, you know, 50% is allowed. More, more than likely, it seems, and, and, and Bill Moose was – feeling confident about the fact that the Big Ten is, or the likelihood that the Big Ten is not going to uh, get involved in that. As he said, we're not playing Michigan State the next week, so there's not a, um, a matter of intra-conference safety. But there is still the safety of your, uh, of your players who are, who are Big Ten players and your, and your staff and, and your coaches. It would seem um, that they're trending toward a decision being made locally, um, you know, where Lincoln and Lancaster County, the health department, is at with that as we get closer to May 1st. I'm not sure. I don't know, obviously, um, if if things stay somewhat where they're at now with numbers and we continue to vaccinate people. Maybe we get to 50%. You know, I, I don't really think it's going to be more than that. Okay. That would be a lot of people for, for what we're, you know, what we've been doing for the past year. I mean, if you put 40,000 in Memorial Stadium right now, I think people would be pretty excited about that. Um, and I don't know how comfortable everyone would be with it going above that right now. In September, yeah. In September, I mean, you aim, like Ted Carter said, 
you aim to be at full capacity, and everyone should be vaccinated at that point. But that won't be the case on May 1st. So I, 50% is a lot of people. And if they can get there, I, I, you know, Bill didn't, Bill didn't give me a number. He didn't tell me something he's aiming for. He just said as many people as we can, as we're allowed to, we're going to do. Um, but uh, I think he'd be happy with that if, if um, you know, if, it's, if, it, if it seems to be the right thing to do. Mitch Sherman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Mitch with The Athletic at Mitch Sherman. Uh, be sure to read his uh, sit-down with Bill Moose on uh, kind of getting back into the flow of things. Mitch, uh, let's go to Nebraska basketball. A big one in Iowa City tonight. Uh, of course, uh, the Hawkeyes knocking on that uh, high-seeding door. I don't know that they're a one seed. I, I think they're good enough to be a two seed. Maybe they're sitting at a three. I mean, there's still some ball to play. Illinois and, and Ohio State and Michigan are heavy hitters as well. With Nebraska tonight, what do you get from the Big Red? Do you get more space and pace? Do you get uh, a, a, a defensive effort reminiscent, reminiscent of last year's uh, upset over Iowa or is Iowa trending the, the direction where it doesn't matter who's trying to guard them, they're just going to light you up? What do you feel about the, the road game tonight? Well, you've you got to contain Garza, mm-hmm. and Nebraska has more bodies to be able to do that than it did a year ago. It didn't have Eduardo Andre or Derek Walker a year ago and managed to, uh, to pull something out. Uh, but, I, you know, it's a tough it's a tough ask for Nebraska for sure tonight with all of the fatigue that you've got going on with this team. Um, you know, fortunately, Fred Hoiberg and company, they've played well of late, so I think they're going to take some confidence from that Rutgers game and the Minnesota game and, and take it into Iowa City, but I don't, I don't expect that that's going to be enough to, uh, to beat Iowa. Um, and, and really, that would be great. I mean, it would be a, a landmark win if you can do something like that here at the end of this year and beat a team that's a top-10 team. But um, the, the, the important thing for Nebraska is just to continue to keep showing progress so when it gets into the offseason, it has something real and tangible and extended to build on with this team. One, to help keep that roster together and have people feeling good about it and, and, and have momentum with your recruiting class as you look toward that 2022 group. Um, and, and, and then as you add the players who were signed in November during this offseason, um, you, can, you can take some of what Nebraska has started to do and, and, then, and then build on that here night and in these last few games. Um, and I, I really think that, that this is the kind of a – the program is in a place right now where it just needs that positive energy. You know, sometimes – there, there's more made out of that carrying one season over to the other than I than I think is 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 reality. You know, like how much does the bowl game carry over to the next year? Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. The basketball team right now and what they're doing, I do think it's important not just for the 21-22 team, but also for energy and momentum they need to have this off season so they can continue to build the roster for the future. Mitch, I uh, want to switch gears and, and get your thought and uh, remembrance on on Andy Hoffman uh, and uh, just uh, how you view his contributions to to the, to the world, to the fight against cancer, 
Team Jack, uh, just sad, sad news earlier this week. Yeah, obviously tragic. Um, not just what happened. I mean, what happened this week is horrible, his death, but just everything that he has had to endure since his diagnosis in July, it, it uh, is not fair that <laughs> this is this is the person who uh, contracted uh, this disease after um, you know what he's what he's uh, done to, to help fight it and, and bring awareness and research dollars. Um, you know his his legacy is is set in stone. Um, I, I, I everybody. Everybody in, in the, the media and I think in, in the athletics world around Nebraska got to, to, to meet Andy and talk to Andy. And, and I don't know that we necessarily all knew that until he got sick because it, 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 but it all, it all then came out. And just, just the respect that people had for him and the way that he dealt with people and the, and the positive the positivity that he had despite the circumstances that he was dealt because of Jack's illness. So I went to a couple, maybe three of the team Jack foundation dinners and just always found him to be so engaging and helpful um, with what I was doing as, you know, he was in the middle of their biggest event of the year. So um, just a passionate guy, um, and, you know, he, he, he was amazing in, in playing the hand that he was dealt, which was not a good one over these last several years. Mitch Sherman with the Athletic, Hale Varsity Radio, his thoughts on Andy Hoffman. Mitch, to close, uh, back to, to one of your passions, that's uh, Royals baseball. Are you, uh, are you eyeing any potential uh, roadies down, down to Kansas City with the news you got? Well, yeah, I'd love to go. Um, you know, <laughs> we'll uh, start looking at the schedule. I haven't planned anything out yet. Um, we'll hope that they get off to a non-royal-like start and are, uh, you know, treading water and, and can, can take this team and, and be in contention uh, for, for some or a good chunk of this year. Um, I, you know, I'll take whatever they give us. Because just being back in the stadium, it's been probably the longest I've gone without being in Kauffman Stadium in uh, like 30 years or longer. <laughs> so I'll just be happy to set foot in there and watch some baseball when that time comes. Hopefully, you know, in the early part of the season. But um, yeah, great news, good news for for um, Royals fans to have the opportunity to buy tickets, and I uh, can't wait to to get there whenever that is. Royals uh, finding a way to the postseason, Mitch. I mean, are we going to call our shot this early? Uh, yeah, put me down for a wild card. Okay, Mitch Sherman, and I've got my my pen out here. Says wild card Royals. Because if I'm wrong, there is absolutely no ramification. We will just burn the tape Nixon style. It's okay. Mitch Sherman with us. Mitch, you take care, bud. Thanks for the time. Great stuff with Mill, Bill Moose, and appreciate your time today. All right, thanks, Chris. Take care. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has.
has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back to it, hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Damon Barr. We welcome in the managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazine author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, and uh, expert griller and barbecuer. We welcome in Brandon Vogel at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter is where you find him. Vogues, I got a serious question to start out. If you were celebrating center court with Nicole and Haynes, and she had connected with that Tyson Wright. Would you have been out for the night? Hmm. I'd like to think no. Uh, I'd like to think I'd be out just for a brief period. But, yeah, I, 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 I can't quite say it. I mean, Nicklin is, is one of the more uh, excitable, demonstrative players that Nebraska has. So it seems like only a matter of time before before one of those does land. And I guess better better you or I, Schmitty, than uh, All-American middle blocker Lawrence Stiverin. So we might have to step in and, and take that punch. I was going to say, I think of, of punches in, in athletic events, obviously the ring and what Terrence Crawford does to people. I think of the Cinema Classic Major League where Roger Dorn whacked uh, wild thing, you know, uh, before they started hugging <laughs> with the, the incident with his wife. And then I think of Nicolin and Haynes excited that they're, they're beating Illinois. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was close. Cranach, you've always been pretty evasive uh, just with your, uh, your movements. I think you would have been able to dodge. I think Vogues would have gotten out of the way. I would have been in trouble. I think that's, that's what I've come to this morning if we're all celebrating mid-court and volleyball gear and uh the the, the fist pump turns into a, a a right hook lucky for us though we're sub six foot <laughs> yeah we, right what have we ever said that before oh yes this morning she she would have gone right over our heads which would have been good by the way did you know there's a whole string of photos on lauren stiverin's so she makes the craziest facial expressions. Have you, have you guys seen that? You can just look up something like Lauren Stiverin's crazy or, or whatever on Google Images. <laughs> no, and there are a not. ton. Like she and, and they're, they're fleeting, right? But if, I guess if, you're, if your shutter speed is fast enough and you're a photographer that's trained on her, you're going to catch her. She makes like these evil faces <laughs> after, like a, after a kill and it's hilarious. Like... It is very, very much worth looking up. And she kind of did it yesterday, too, when when Nicklin threw that punch. And then afterwards, she kind of like, oh, she, she made a weird face. It's worth looking up. It's worth looking up. Well, there we go. Vogues, uh, let's uh, get into a, a lot of different things. First and foremost, uh, we discussed a little stop rate uh, in hour one here. So when I say Nebraska's defensive stop rate, and just to reset, that's defensive drives that get off the field with either a punt, turnover, or turnover on downs, i.e. no points. Your reaction when you find out Nebraska's 92nd in the country, does that seem high, seem low, seem just right? No, it seems about, about, what I, about right, about what I would have expected it to be. I mean, Nebraska made definitely made – strides defensively and I guess 
with the way that they play and the way that they're built right now, you know, perhaps more interesting question is what's the ceiling on that stop rate? Uh, because we know, or at least I assume that there are plenty of big 10 teams kicking around at the, the top 10 of that, that metric. Yes. Um, and I just, you know, yeah, you would love for Nebraska to, to get there, to be a team that just consistently comes out and, and gets stops. I just don't know if it's quite built that way yet. So like this one, I'm kind of like, yeah, that's, that's about where I thought they'd be. And that's, you know, I, I you would hope they would improve. But I'd be surprised if they were ever, you know, in the top 30 or top 20 in that category. Considering what they have coming back, which is almost their entire defense, save for a corner spot and a couple linebackers, um, defensive linemen or two. But for them, I mean, the big nucleus is back. Is there an expected jump that, that, that you could look for in that statistic that you know of? Uh, in stop rate, mm-hmm. um, I mean, just with the amount of returning production they have, the outlook is brighter. Yes, for for twenty twenty one, you would expect them to to be better overall. I guess if that's reflected here or not, you know, it, it could be that way for any statistical category. You know, the big thing is, did they end up last year right around twenty eight points a game? I think they did. Mm-hmm. Um, which against conference-only opponents, you know, you'll live with that. And I, I think if, if this year's defense, to put it in a points term, which I guess is the remainder of, of stop rate, like if this defense can drop two points per game, if it can get to 26, um, I think it's, it's doing a really good job. Anything more than that would be kind of icing on the cake. Um, you know, at that point, you're waiting for the offense to, to catch up a little bit. Brandon Vogel's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Let's flip it around. If we're talking stop rate, let's talk go rate or on the offensive side of the ball, scoring. And, Vogues, you've dove into this quite a bit, your money with numbers, and you translate that really well uh, with, with stories. And I'm interested here with kind of your outside look at, at Nebraska's offense just kind of ballpark, you know, where where would Nebraska or where has Nebraska's offense been with drives that end in points, right? You're getting three or you're getting seven. And when we talked about the defensive stop rate, there's a lot of drives where the defense had sudden change, either turnover or from a special team standpoint, somebody starting at the 40 or better. I mean, Nebraska didn't get a lot of favors last year with the other two phases uh, in reference to the defense. But offensively, you know, where if you're to put a grade attachment to it with Nebraska's offense, you know, what what's that what's that letter grade with how the the drives have finished? It seems like there's a lot of yards between the 20s and that was pretty evident when we look at Northwestern being number 12 in the country defensively stop rate-wise, Iowa number one, Wisconsin number two. Well, two out of the three games, Nebraska moved the ball well. They just didn't punch it in. What's the offense? What could they be capable of here when it comes to finishing? That I don't know yet. It's a, it's a really interesting question and one I'm trying to find a way to, to hack into this offseason because here, here's the basic set up with Nebraska's offense, as I see it, you ask for a grade in terms of finishing drives, 
Um, <clears throat> I would give Nebraska a C. Nebraska's offense a C on a uh, at a drive level. At a play-by-play level, they're probably a B for me. Like you're missing some of the big plays that this offense needs to to really. Well, it, it, this is all related. You get some of those big plays then you're not having to go seven, eight plays every drive, which Nebraska's offense does have to do a lot. Um, and and you're just, your point expectation goes, goes up for those. So um, I just pulled it up. Nebraska averaged two points of drive last year offensively, which was 86 nationally. And, and that's, you know, mm. that one to relate it to stop rate defensively. If, if you're hoping the defense can kind of get to that middle third nationally. So, you know, between 40th and 70th or whatever, if Nebraska's defense did that, I, I think you'd be in pretty good shape provided the offense is not also 80th, 90th in the country. So it's, it's a really interesting thing. And I haven't quite figured out why like Nebraska can be so consistently efficient on a play by play basis how do these drives fall apart? And and I've got all the drives for the past three years in a spreadsheet. I just need to start playing around with it a little bit to see all of the, the ways those drives have come up a little bit short most of the time. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Um, back to the offensive side, there cannot be a more mysterious player on Nebraska's roster over the past several years than Logan Smothers. And he came in early, spring game got canceled, so no one got to see him. Um, you know, me, the, the the program has already some pretty tight media restrictions in terms of practice access that was doubled or quintupled during COVID. So, like, nobody's seen this guy play <laughs> at all. Nobody's seen him in pads. Nobody's seen him throw. He's been on campus for over a year now. W- what, if anything, have you heard about how the the coaches or players in the program what they think about him and his potential, and does he factor into the competition at quarterback this year? Yeah. Um, so specifics about about some others have been hard to come by. There's, you know, I've heard kind of there's a general sense that the the coaching staff was very pleased with not just where he came in, but how how quickly he was able to to kind of go through the Verduzco advanced physics course that playing quarterback for him is. Um, so I've heard from some people that Smothers was very quick on, on kind of the uptake with that, which, which is good. I mean, I think we've got to have the physical tools, of course, to, to play football, to play quarterback in the big 10. Um, but getting like the quick, quick blink kind of philosophy that they bring up all the time. Um, it seems like they were pleased with Rogan, Rogan's mother's progress on that for, for a true freshman. But you're right. I, I can't think of a guy where you just, you know, even those kind of 15-minute practice availabilities uh, in, in fall camp, at least then you'd get to see the guy, you know, maybe run a play or two with, with even the scout team. Here, all everything is limited to watching him warm up before games this season. And, I mean, he did make every trip. So it's it's an interesting setup for a guy that I think everybody agrees they're pretty high on um, to be able to kind of just do this amount of work in the dark, so to speak. Uh, it kind of intrigues me, actually. And I, and I do think he's part of, of a competition for Nebraska. You know, with the on-field results that they've had over the past three years, 
it's kind of hard to not go into the season thinking almost anything's on the table when you scored, you know, 24 points a game or whatever it was in 2020. You know, the thing I'm interested with Logan is we know the, the athlete he is. We know his speed. And uh, just looking at, at some of his his pictures and some of the things that was published on social media, we know how tough he is because the guy gutted out some, some playoff games through injury. So you've got the toughness. You've got the speed and athleticism. You've got the intelligence. What What's kind of the unknown vogues and it just happens differently for different kids is you know what's the development phase like what's the timeline on what he was able to do or not do due to covid spring last year what's he been able to work on and improve on to up his game from then to now and then what what kind of sprinkles can you put on top of the sunday so to speak here with this this spring session and into the fall. I mean, I don't think it's fair to expect him to come in and, and be Adrian freshman year, obviously. But what what progress can happen and then what type of patience can develop if that's part of the equation too with, yeah, look, you're, you're making progress. You're not going to start. Uh, let's keep grinding. That's That's what I'm – Worried about just as a whole at the quarterback position, how many kids eject because they don't get the nod right away because maybe they're not ready. That's that's what I'm interested. In. I want to see Nebraska get a kid, work with him, make him better, and then when it's his turn, have a kid be able to wait for his turn. I mean that that's something that I'm I think could could really in an ideal world, right, uh, benefit with some quarterback development and some depth because I think that can translate, too, to the recruiting trail for Nebraska for future gets. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're spotting line on that particular one is at least 131st behind every head FBS football coach yeah. right now because it, it definitely seems like, uh, you know, well, I, don't, I don't know if it's over. I don't know. You know, it's it's interesting watching this this transfer portal, not just this year, but in the previous years as well. As like the numbers get astronomical, like pretty quickly, and you pretty quickly realize like there's not scholarships for for all of these people that are out here looking for one. So you know, is it ever going to swing back the other way? Who knows? But quarterback in particular, you know, I've been kind of deeply embroiled in a little bit of attrition research and yeah, you know, quarterbacks, they, they are, you know, because there's only one of those jobs available with every team and it, you try to set this up. You try to sign one every year. If you're a coach just to, to cover your bases, but it's, you almost just need kind of magic circumstances. It feels like sometimes where it's like, well, we didn't bring in a transfer and the, the middle guy didn't pan out. So now there's two years separation like just kind of having a assembly line there. Uh, I just don't know if that's in the offing for quarterback anymore. Brandon Bogle is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Let's switch over. It's a it's an interesting time of the year because you have basketball going on, you have volleyball going on, you got spring football coming up pretty soon, like all converging at once. Um, volleyball, one of your specialties, uh, given you literally wrote the book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. I'm looking at Nebraska's numbers and what's interesting about this team is they are pretty dominant 
but it is really tough to find like a team statistic or an individual statistic outside of hitting percentage with Lauren Stiverns. She's in the top five nationally and she's, you know, well above 400 having, having a great year there. But I can't find that the, any one thing that they are superb at, right? It's just sort of like they're really good at all of it. Is that how you would characterize them? Or is there something in particular that you think they are, you know, top of the top of the line nationally? Because statistically, is <laughs> that's really not the case. Yeah, uh, so the, the big one that Nebraska volleyball always points to, I, I, I think the one number, if you, if you said to Coach Cook, hey, there's one number that you can hit this year, guaranteed, what is it? And it would be to hold teams below 150 hitting. Nebraska's at 151 after last night, which is second in the Big Ten, behind only Wisconsin, which is at an insane one two two. Which I'm guessing, if that doesn't lead the country, uh, it's second or third. So, so I think defense is is still kind of where they make their bones. And if they can stick at that 150 level, you know, get another game against a, a, a tough, even if the record doesn't show it, Illinois team, and then of course Ohio State, which is playing great volleyball at the moment, comes to Lincoln next week. You'll you'll get a little bit of a challenge of that, but yeah, 150 hitting. Uh, the ambitious goal is 300 hitting. Like, not many teams finish a season above 300, but you just look at that, and that's basically a, a, a two to one advantage in terms of point scoring. And, and that's kind of where Nebraska sets a baseline. Like, that's what they're aiming for is to get that two to one advantage. Which you know, if you think about it on a football, you're in, you're like Alabama, Clemson territory, which we certainly know is. It's kind of the area Nebraska occupies most years in volleyball. Vogues, uh, we'll uh, get you out of here on this, and we always love talking food with you. And I had life-changing grilled shrimp tacos last night after my Class A semifinal. And we had a little cabbage, a little cilantro, a little lime, and there was this kind of yellowish magic sauce that were on the, the, the shrimp tacos and it, it went down real well with the cold modello. And I've I've been dreaming about I mean that's just what I've turned into. I've turned into a middle aged guy that dreams about tacos on the weekend. Uh have you uh ventured into the 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 Brandon Vogel taco stand idea? And if so, is there a, a kind of off not not your normal beef or chicken taco, but have you ever have you ever danced with the the shrimp taco it's not it's not always my go-to i've got to trust the place because the the variability <laughs> on on shrimp tacos can be can be pretty high uh i, I like uh i like to be someplace where it's at least feasible by the ocean shrimp is pretty decent <laughs> and not necessarily like uh you know where i'm at now i'm at least close enough i mean it's not close but close enough to the the gulf of mexico that i'm like oh these could be golf shrimp theoretically theoretically that could work and then you just judge the taco itself based on the taste I, I'll, I'll go with a good fish or or shrimp taco but that one's where you're kind of really testing it like okay are you guys serious about about making tacos or is it just a an easy it's like well we've got popcorn shrimp for the kids menu so we'll just throw it between tortilla those tend not to go so well so i i 
I prefer others, I guess, when okay. it comes to taco ordering. But when the shrimp taco is good, you, you can't beat it. It was magic. Cranack, I know you're a big seafood guy, and this stuff was... When you guys are down next, we're, we're going. It, it, I, I actually want to find out how to do the sauce and try and do it at home because I can go Bubba Gum Shrimp at home, you know, on the grill or something and saute some stuff, and it'd be wonderful. But this thing, I mean, it, it's my mouth is still watering. It's phenomenal. Now, the importance there, you know, shrimp has that texture, that snap if you overcook yeah, it. Yes. And so that inside of tacos, no. That's no. But simmered, like, like – Cooked, cooked to where it's tender. It was, it was perfectly different tender. story. Perfectly different tender. story. Yes. Well, it was, it was magic. I just sorry, I had to go food there for a minute, but it's nice out. The grills are going to be fired up. Baseball's happening. March Madness around the corner. State tournament time. Uh, we will smell uh, grills wafting for sure. Vogues, uh, what are you working on this weekend, Bud? And and what's uh, on your radar? Yeah, working on a magazine feature for the the March issue about a little bit about Nebraska recruiting, um, where they can and can't expect guys to uh, leave early based on on past precedent. So that's kind of top of the list. Of course, got volleyball and women's and men's basketball over the weekend. So we'll have you covered on all those fronts on. Uh, on that, and then Mike Babcock will have a, a kind of weekend recap for baseball as well uh, in the days ahead. So pretty busy in terms of uh, all of the sports going on at once. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Vogue, thanks for joining us this morning. Great to chat with you, bud. Thanks a lot. All Take right. care, guys. Brandon Vogel, Brandon. managing editor, HailVarsity.com and magazine at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Good to, to get with him. and. Cranack, uh, the the shrimp taco is is something that I think you would enjoy because you you've kind of always tried to get me into the seafood lane a little bit more than I'm I'm used to. Yeah, well, when it's done right. Uh, it's, now, were they blackened? No, they they just no. they were just grilled and beautiful. That, that I mean that can work. That can work. It's very easy to overcook shrimp though. And then it's uh, you don't want to put those in a taco. No, I, I don't you know. disagree. The Iron Horse uh, was doing some baseball yesterday, so we will check in with Gary Sharp, get his thoughts on uh, not only uh, some Nebraska topics, but also kind of the climate in Omaha this week around uh, Creighton and Coach McDermott. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. <laughs> with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Thanks for hanging out. Weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Championship Saturday. As uh, Motsi will have Pius tonight on uh, KFOR. I will have Norris around 2 o'clock. So excited for that. A guy who made his way to the ballpark for some action yesterday with UNO, the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, back with us. Sharpie, how awesome was the ballpark yesterday, man? Good morning. You know what? It's uh, it's pretty cool for Omaha Athletics to have a place like that where they've never had an on-campus facility. And The weather turned out really well. They had uh, you know 450 seats they could sell, and they sold them all. And Unfortunately, on the scoreboard, it didn't go so well. But it's great for uh, Omaha baseball. It's great for baseball in the city of Omaha that they have another facility like they have that Omaha is now can call home. It's, it was pretty cool. It was just nice to be at a ballpark. I mean, you know, we hadn't had really college baseball in Nebraska, whether it be Nebraska playing on the road yesterday in Texas or Omaha and Creighton playing. We hadn't had baseball in about a year. 
So it was really nice, and uh, it'll be a shot in the arm for their athletic department. Flipping it around, your reaction, and I know you were on uh, doing your thing with uh, UNO, but uh, Nebraska went long ball yesterday but but fell and, and couldn't hang on a run in the eighth, a run in the ninth, and Purdue jumped out in the series. Overall, what, what's kind of your, your outlook for Husker baseball as we're now, uh, you know, a game in? Well, I think, you know, it, when you play a, a conference-only schedule, and you don't know what the RPI is going to be like, and you don't, don't know what your resume is going to have to be like to perform. Um, it seems like every game is a big game. And probably not a surprise the way Nebraska played yesterday. Um, and I think at the end of the day, as they make their way through the season, they have a pretty deep lineup. They might have the deepest and most athletic lineup and versatile lineup in the Big Ten. It's going to come down to what kind of pitching they have. And, and also, guys, who they have available. You know, Kobe Gomez missing the entire season is going to hurt. But you never know. Some guys might be in quarantine, not available to you. Uh, but you're going to have to rely on your starting pitchers. And if Kate Povich gives you that kind of an effort yesterday, every game, every Friday, or first game of a series, I think you're going to be comfortable with it. But it's one game in 44. You know, you're not going to overreact. But it does make uh, those games pretty important when it's just conference only. Yeah, how, concern, how concerning is that with Povich? He, you know, he's, he's got some stuff to him. You don't earn the Friday night nod if, if, if you're not – you know, putting it together in the fall and, and in the off season, nerves. You think first game out is it is it cause for alarm or is it sort of like you know don't worry about it. He'll he'll get back on track. See, I've seen him enough. Uh, seen him enough times pitching, whether it be in high school or you know in the brief time we saw him last year. Mark that I think he's going to be fine. You know, some guys their first outing um, that's the first time they've thrown to live hitting. Um, we have an umpire and it's in game conditions, so. It's kind of hit or miss, and especially with the layoff that Nebraska has had, um, I think he'll be fine the next time out. Um, you know, Purdue's a nice team, um, but it was, a, it was an interesting I, – I kind of think that game went as I thought it would go in the first game for those two teams yesterday. But it, again, makes it pretty important that you bounce back again today and you find a way – the whole thing here is winning series um, throughout the entire Big Ten schedule is if you can have 11 weekends, if you can win nine, eight, nine series, uh, split in a couple of others – I think you're doing pretty well. Hey, by the way, real quick to jump in, you, you mentioned Nebraska's lineup. Um, you know, three guys go yard yesterday, and that's a. Uh, but home runs have been hard to come by at Nebraska for a while. Really, is this a team that you think is going to put up power numbers pretty regularly? I think so. I think they're built to hit home runs. Uh, you know what? College baseball. If you look in the first three weeks, the home runs are up, and I don't know if that's because of the layoff with pitching. Um, but home runs are up, and this is a lineup that is built to uh, hit home runs. Uh, it's, you know, it's a lineup that I think is built to, for average, but I think home runs will come along with this team. You just look at the middle of their lineup. Those are guys that throughout their entire career, they've been good home run hitters, and I think Will has a different approach at the plate instead of being guys that hit gaps or line drives. He's okay with guys lifting it out of the park. And that park, by the way, down there, that ball carries at Round Rock. Well, I, I was looking at Anderson's uh liner to, to write that got out in a hurry man that was that was something to see gary sharp is with us here hail varsity radio weekend sharpie let's get into some spring football we we discuss stop rate by the nebraska defense um max olson's story uh, earlier this week from the athletic uh, we kind of also got into crowd and you know what spring can look like with bill moose and his sit down with mitch sherman you know, what, what are you thinking here as we move closer to May 1st? 
I know that the NCAA is not allowing visitors till well. The, things have been extended from a dead period standpoint till till the end of May. We know where this country is moving towards from a vaccination standpoint. But uh, as we talk May first and kind of glean that direction, what what what's a, what's a fair estimate? If, if Gary Sharp's putting the decision-making hat on here from a, from a attendance standpoint, do you try and go 50%? You, you've got 75% here locally for, for, for different venues, you know, around different parts of, of Nebraska. And, uh, you know, you got a, you got a, a positive feel right now with a lot of this country with things opening back up. I think you'll be in the, the range of about 40,000, maybe 40 okay. to 50, which is, still half the stadium and you can spread out and not sit in the end zones um, with that amount of people. I think that's a promising sign. I know Nebraska and the Lincoln Health Department have been working for the last couple of weeks to come up with a plan that is uh, approved by everybody that everybody feels comfortable with. And I think by the time we get to the end of May, I think you could see 40 to 50,000. Now, what will the 40 to 50,000 people that are in that stadium look like? Uh, Will you, you know, will it be a tribute to frontline workers? Who knows? But I think there will be a good amount of people. I think it was a good sign earlier this week that the Big Ten was at least willing to work with the NCAA because the NCAA wants, with the Big Ten basketball tournament being at Lucas Oil Stadium, they want a dress rehearsal for the Final Four. And so the Big Ten agreed, hey, okay, we'll allow fans so you can see how that works. Maybe that opens the door for the discussions to move along when you get to the fall because the Big Ten has no say over schools, what they do in the spring with their spring game. But in the fall, of course, they will have a say over that. It's just going to be crazy, guys. We could have, you know, you're going to have the state tournament today at Pinnacle Bank Arena and then the boys' state basketball tournament next week. And you know what kind of numbers of fans are going to be there. You could have forty to 50,000 maybe at the spring game on May 1. But yet we might go a whole season without fans for baseball, softball, and volleyball. doesn't make sense, but that's where we're at. And, you know, I think the Big Ten right now, after the news yesterday broke, they have bigger issues than uh, – deciding how many people are going to be at Haymarket Park. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That's where I was going to go. A report comes out yesterday that essentially all the Big Ten powers that be moved away from, um, you know, sort of traditional communications means like email and text and all that, and instead moved to this more like encrypted private platform to discuss all the goings on about how they were going to approach the football season. And it appears, it appears a reason why that was done is to shield themselves from the Freedom of Information Act requests. As public institutions, the media, others, can request any form of communication since they are public institutions, but this was maybe a way for them to evade that scrutiny. Some attorneys in the report are saying, that's not going to hold up. You're still just, you're you're a public university. All your communications um, by public officials are absolutely subject to FOIA requests. So what do you think? It feels like a potential tip of the iceberg type report. And I'm just wondering how you see it and if we can expect that it will start to come out, what their deliberations were and what that could mean for the Big Ten that really already has some egg on its face from how they handled it. Well, first, let me ask you, Mark, are you surprised? No, no. Not, not in the least. They, they seemed evasive the whole time. See, that's the problem is nobody is surprised by this because we all thought that something was going on. Here, here's the thing, and we all said this last fall when they were trying to decide their return to play, and I think this is pretty important right now moving forward, whether it be the Big Ten, whether it be 
Creighton University and dealing with Greg McDermott is transparency is key here. People are, they want answers. And there's sometimes you're, you're not going to provide answers, and we understand, but transparency is key. And we knew we were not getting all of the answers when it came to the Big Ten decision. And I'm glad this has come out, and there's going to be some people that their feet are going to be held to the fire. And they need to answer for this because this was a bad situation that could have been handled so much better. But I think it also gives you an insight of where we're going with this conference and other decisions that they have to make. I mean, come on. they got a monster uh, TV contract that has to be negotiated here in the last couple of years. But the fact that this comes out yesterday, and it's kind of a bombshell, it's great reporting by the Washington Post, that everybody looks around and goes, well, I'm not surprised. That's a bad, bad look for the Big Ten. And I, and I hope this is continued to be investigated. And people are held accountable for this because there are people that, you know, were really impacted by their decision and because of their secrecy. Gary Sharps with us, Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. And we just need to kind of know, as we move forward with this, the why, right? We're not surprised, but we need to know the why. And that's just 2021, 2020, the kids ask why. Well, fans, uh, people in the States, local business owners, I mean, people around the country deserve to know why, why what and why were your motives what they were was it strictly liability was it public health and safety why were you going this route why why did you make a decision as soon as you did and then why were you kind of covering your test answers so to speak on a private server and i hope uh, that that things kind of we get to the bottom of it so to speak and you get that definitive why and who was kind of leading it was it a was it a group voice of the 13 public university chancellors and presidents, uh, where were they in conversation and communication with the athletic directors? Where was the commissioner when it comes to consultation? I mean, all of that needs to be streamlined, streamlined moving forward here for future decisions. And to your point, Sharpie, about, you know, you got a TV negotiation coming up here. I mean, that <laughs> it, 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 you just wondered from a trust and execution standpoint man can the big 10 uh kind of kind of find their their sea legs here moving forward versus being as unsteady as, as they've been the last six to eight to, uh, six to, to, to 12 months well trust is a big thing and we already know that on certain campuses around the big 10 trust was broken and they still don't trust the higher ups that are running the big 10 um you look at the rest of the other uh sec and the acc and the big 12 they were all pretty transparent during this whole process last fall. The Big Ten was always trying to hide something. And, again, I'm glad this got exposed and, I, and that people need to respond to this. They can't just blow it off because this is a serious deal that can be a learning experience moving forward. Um, so I'm glad the reporting happened like it did. Um, but do you trust people in the Big Ten? I mean, that's why we see the significant difference of opinion from certain campuses, like at Nebraska, what they wanted, and aligning with Ohio State compared to others. And I hope the outrage continues. And again, I hope people that are in charge, their feet are held to the fire. And you learn from this in case another major issue comes up with the Big Ten. But this is major, I think Mark said it, egg on the face of the the Big Ten. And I know that the commissioners and the athletic directors at those three Power Five conferences that I mentioned, they're laughing at the Big Ten. You know, it's this is also interesting, is that Kevin Warren received a ton of criticism and a lot of it deserved just because of sort of his evasive answers. But then when you look at 
what he ultimately had to represent. That's his job, right? He's he's essentially the face of the voice of this group of of university leaders. Like he he exists at their sort of discretion. Um, when you see that, <laughs> I I give him a little bit more of a pass. Like look what he's dealing with. How, how the hell do you for. represent that? Well, I, I think, you know what, I, I wonder if we're going to find out, guys, and, and Kevin Warren is the face of the Big Ten. I wonder if we're going to find out down the road that he had no say, literal power, when all of this came down. Or we're going to find out that he had a say in this, and he was not fighting for the athletic directors. He was working, as he does, for the presidents. I mean, I think we need transparency there, because that kind of frames how we look at Kevin Warren moving forward. And you know, I think he's been pretty quiet of late, and that's probably a good thing. But I think for his sake, his professional sake, we need to have more answers on what his role was and what, how loud his voice was. Because, again, the Big Ten moves forward, and they've got a giant TV contract that is coming up. Do the TV partners trust Kevin Warren and the rest of the Big Ten to do the right thing and that they're going to be out in front in discussing something that has major ramifications for 14 schools because they still want that $50 million rolling in every year? If I'm a TV partner, I look at Warren and the way the Big Ten's been a mess and say, man, we can, we can, we can hose the Big Ten and, and, and not pay as much as we should. I mean, that's my first reaction is yeah. maybe yeah, we get great. over on them. If you're a TV exec, you're like, yeah, are you guys going to play games? Like literally? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> are you going to play games that we can televise? Like, come on. Here's what we're thinking with those Tier 1 rides. You know, uh, Sharpie, uh, I thought it's been a, a very heavy week in, in Omaha with Creighton, with Coach McDermott, and uh, give us some insight to, to how you've navigated that and, and just kind of the feel up there with uh, with the, the Creighton program. Well, what a strange week for basketball in Nebraska. you got Teddy Allen has kicked off the mm-hmm. team on Sunday, announced on Monday morning, then Nebraska goes out as one of the most thorough efforts in two years against Rutgers. Uh, and you deal with that and what Nebraska basketball likes moving forward. And then on Tuesday, you get uh, an email notifi- or a Twitter notification from Greg McDermott that he's apologizing for something that you don't know what's going on and how that has unfolded from Tuesday to when he was suspended Thursday to Creighton playing today against Butler. Um, I-, I think it's a situation, guys, where um, now that we're past – okay, what he was trying to do, a very botched analogy. It was a mistake. Will one mistake define a man? It was deplorable. It, there is no doubt about that. But it was also a major fumble by Creighton University, how they handled Greg McDermott, because they, he should never have been allowed to coach on Wednesday night. You don't let a guy coach on Wednesday night, and it was clear that this is weighing on him heavily, and it should, that you don't let him coach, and then on Thursday night you suspend him, and he accepts it. That should have happened on Wednesday. Um, I think they were, were a little surprised at the public backlash, but where they got the most backlash, guys, were the most important people, the ones in their locker room and on campus. There is a lot of campus outrage, including student-athletes at Creighton that are not basketball players. So it has not been a good week for Creighton at all. You don't know what this does to their team. You know, they're still a 5-6 team in the NCAA tournament. So are they going to have any momentum moving forward? I'll be curious to see how they play today, if they'll be more engaged. Uh, but this is uh, very much going to hang over this program until there's some resolution. And I don't know what the resolution is, guys, if you decide, okay, it's time to bring Mac back, or he never comes back and Creighton has to move on. But right now it's not good for Creighton basketball. You know, the, it's, the irony here, too, is that 
you know, Coach McDermott, you know, say what you want if you're a Nebraska fan and you just detest Creighton. Um, but he's he's been out in front on a lot of the societal issues, uh, more so than most coaches, I think. I, I, I think you could even classify him as a leader in that space of using his press conference time to talk about these issues, to let the team, you know, put a quality on their jerseys and all that. I mean, he's been out in front on this stuff. So when it came out, it was just such a out of character shock. Right. And, and then I think if you go back to the the way Creighton handled it, the way (laughs) little known secret about Creighton is look, they're, they're kind of an old school operation. They, They do not have this giant athletic department apparatus Right. With all kinds of PR pros and, uh, you know, a, a, it's not a big bureaucracy. <laughs> it's yep. there's just kind of a few people running the show there. I, I wonder if it highlights their need to also start to invest in more of like a, a big college athletics infrastructure. I'm just curious on your your take on that. Uh, I don't think so. Um, financially, they've taken a major hit this year in the pandemic. I know men's basketball brings in a lot of money, uh, so I don't think they're going to transition that way. I, I think you have you have a couple of different entities that are going at each other here. You've got the president's office. You've got the athletic director's office that have had to work together. But I think another part of this, and, and – you know, I, I'm, I don't think they expected the, the public backlash, guys, because people are angry. They're angry at Greg McDermott. They're angry at Creighton. They did not expect the backlash from their own student-athletes, and they are getting that, and that's very, very uncomfortable. The most important people that, you know, we want to know how they feel, not how we feel, they feel, are the players. The student-athletes that are also at Creighton that are not basketball players, I think caught this athletic program off guard. I don't know what they do moving forward. Um, but, you know, we've all been around PR classes. They always say be proactive, not reactive. Sharpie, we'll get you out of here on this, and thanks for the time. Uh, quarterback topic when it comes to recruiting for Nebraska 2022. Uh, offer down in San Antonio uh, with uh, Richard Torres, a good-sized kid. What's, what's your thought on, on the Nebraska quarterback chase for 2022? Well, it'd be nice to get one. You know, you see a lot of quarterbacks around the country that are committing to schools. Um, you know, Nebraska, I think, does a good job in the recruiting process of evaluating players and getting on players early, and that's the case with Torres at San Antonio. But once Nebraska offers, there's going to be a lot of other schools that offer, and, you know, are, are somebody going to come in that's offers or higher than his? It's early in the process for him, so I think he wants to take it all in, and plus he's starting to ramp up seven-on-seven seven and things like that. Um, but Nebraska's, you know, they're trying to get a quarterback. Let's just try and get somebody in the class. And it might be locally with Ernest Hausman at Columbus here yeah. in the near future, or that might be somebody out of the state of Kansas that says yes. But I think it's important for Nebraska to at least get one, because right now I think we're all kind of getting a little anxious that Nebraska doesn't have anybody in the class. Sharpie, have a good call this weekend, buddy. We'll, we'll check in next time. Thanks for the time this morning. Hey, thanks, guys. See ya. There he Appreciate is, Gary it. Sharp with us. Good stuff from him. Yeah. on a bunch of different things. Look, it's, it's seriously, Creighton is, um, look, if something like that happens at Nebraska, mm-hmm. you're in a boardroom with about 12 people and probably a PR agency and like you're figuring it out and you're acting quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Creighton's, dude, it's a smaller operation. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's probably just some, you know, white president, white AD, <laughs> white coach, just be like, uh, what what do we do right well, like it, yeah i mean it, it it's 
Creighton's Creighton. I've got buddies yeah. who've gone there, and it's just it's kind of own little. It's just unfortunate because dude, Greg McDermott's a legitimately. Uh, they've been out in front on this stuff. No. They really have. I, like, I don't. I don't. You have to give them some credit for that. And so, like, you, you just. Oh man, it's just really unfortunate because I, I think the way they should respond is to do something jaw dropping. Do something like no salary for McDermott for a year. He donates it all to a an important social justice cause. But or, to your point, the social right? justice side of things been near and dear to his heart yeah. for a long time. It's not. It's not been a fashion statement for him. He's 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 truly believed it and tried to be there for his players. He's screwed up, and you can't condone. You hope you can forgive. And I, it, it, I can't put myself in players or assistants or people of color's shoes uh, for sure, but I look at his body of work, and this guy's not a racist a-hole. I, I can say that. He said something stupid. And he's very sorry about it. And you hope you can forgive and forget. You don't need to blow him out over this. It's yeah, that that does seem like you would be excessive if they did that. But at the same time, dude, when you have plantation. No, I, I firmly associated with Creighton. Right. I mean, that does damage for years. No, I years and years and years. Don't it's, disagree at all. I don't yeah. disagree at all. Greynack, enjoy the week. Enjoy the weather, brother. We'll uh, do this again next Saturday. Yes, sir. We'll talk soon. All right. Mark Craynack, Damon Barr, Chris Schmidt, Weekend Edition. Get the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Hale Varsity, uh, Herdat Media, and uh, Google Play. We'll talk to you Monday on Hale Varsity Radio.